I performed in Denmark at a bookstore and some of the poems that I was doing, I was like, I was trying to like stick to poems that weren't about race, you know, cause I didn't know how they were taken. And I was so used to kind of, I guess at the time, like I was tiptoeing around race, you know, even though a lot of my poetry had to do with that because sometimes I would perform and I would feel, you know, the audience kind of being like, you know, so I didn't want to make people feel that way. Um, but when I was there, they they actually requested those poems, you know, they raised their hands like, hey, you think you can do a poem about being a black woman in America? You think you can do a poem about this? And I'm like, oh yeah, I have a bunch of these poems, you know? And then one of the audience members actually came up to me after. She's like, hey, I just want to say, you know, you should always just like be yourself and um, share your work just as it is. Like, you know, don't hold back just because of the audience. And, I, and that touched me because I feel like that's exactly what I was doing. And I was like, wow, you know, people here are so open open to me um so that was like it just like opened my eyes to how people I just felt accepted yeah when I traveled I felt very accepted welcome to the driving force podcast everyone I'm your host Chase Rosa a former private equity analyst now exploring human performance through podcasting coaching jujitsu and endurance athletics this podcast will feature conversations with uniquely driven and authentic individuals across sports, business, and wellness who continue to achieve great things in their respective fields. By presenting their stories, uncensored and uncut, I hope to inspire you to take a step back, look within, and evaluate your path and journey. Today's guest is fellow Bentley University alum, Mel Latham. Mel is an international poet, voice, creator, and author of Brown Butter. Born in Boston, but now living in Brooklyn, Mel has been sharing spoken word poetry on stages across the U.S. and Europe in major cities like Boston, New York City, Atlanta, Charlotte, Chicago, London, Berlin, and more. In 2019, Mel released her debut book of poetry, Brown Butter, a collection of affirming words and poems for self-love, worth, expression, and healing. She then booked her own European book tour with shows at Copenhagen, Berlin, and London, selling out of her books at her first stop. As a firm believer in the healing power of words, Mel founded a collective space for positive self-talk and views for self called Vow to Self. She's the host of the Vow to Self podcast and The Daily Shine, a meditation podcast by the Shine app, voted one of Apple's best self-care apps of 2020. In addition to all of this work, Mel is also the director of marketing and communications at Riverview Capital, a Boston-based investment and wealth management firm. In this interview, we get into Mel's passion for poetry and storytelling, what led her to studying marketing at Bentley, the healing power of words, her book, Brown Butter, and the Vow to Self platform. And so, without further ado, my interview with Mel Latham. So, let's start this off at the beginning here. You grew up in Boston, right? I did. I grew up in Boston, in Dorchester. Um, Yeah, I was I actually first started out living in Randolph and then I moved to Dorchester and I grew up there. Okay. What did your parents do for work? So my mom, she's always been in human resources. Um, she's currently doing human resources for Boston University. Um, and my father, he was a poet, um, writer, author, and artist. So he was always oh, cool. pursuing his arts. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So it was a, it was a cool... Artists mixed with business sort of balance there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And so like was, because I know you went to Bentley, um, Mm -hmm. was business like a big part of your family growing up? Like 
was it table talk would you say or not, maybe no. not so much no not, not so much not at all actually um Bentley yeah how did I end up there I think it was one of the schools that honestly gave me the best you know package um and you know everyone was always talking about Bentley um but I honestly at that age I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do as far as like talking about business growing up we didn't really talk about it. My mom wanted me to do accounting. Um, she always thought that would be like something that I could do. Um, and my father, he was an entrepreneur. So that was like the business side that I, that I experienced him, like, you know, creating his t-shirts and selling his books and, you know, me going with him to the factories to print the t-shirts and like all these, you know, the little things that go into running your own type of company and business. That's, that's yeah. basically what I experienced. Yeah. Okay. What uh? What kind of shirts did uh did your dad make or or design? <laughs> oh wow, he was. <laughs> so his line was called. He was all about just like you know, um, speaking for Black people, you know. So his 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 line, and he had a blog also. It was called Black Truth, and so like his shirts would say, you know, Bible verses and you know affirmations about being um, a Black man or a Black woman, you know, growing up here. Um, but he was very just like affirming. His shirts were very, you know, they were sometimes there were poems on his shirts because he was a poet um, right. so I think that's you know I, me seeing that growing up I didn't realize how much of an influence it had on me um but yeah yeah that's cool and so what were some of the biggest values that you think were instilled in you early on the biggest values I would say for sure motivation and just having the belief that I can do anything and it sounds so cliche, but I just feel like my mom and my dad, they, they made me feel so confident. You know, they always had me in different arts programs. You know, they had me in band. I was in, I played tennis, you know, I was playing the keyboard, you know, so they constantly just kept putting me into different um, environments where I was learning and being creative. Um, so I'd say that's, that's a, a big value that I've learned. Also just, you know, the power of words and, um, you know, the things that we say to ourselves and the things that we say to people. Yeah. And so, because your dad was a poet or is, is still a poet, was, was writing and poetry things that you were passionate about from like really early on, like from like re really early age, were you writing poetry, like your dad and all of that? Mm -hmm. I, was, I was writing poetry since I was like 11 years old. I always had my diary, you know, like I would hide it, tuck it under my mattress. <laughs> so I was always like <laughs> writing my thoughts out, you know, like writing was always my go-to thing. Yeah. Um, time I didn't really realize I didn't see it as like you know I'm writing this is a poem you know I was just like expressing myself um so yeah that's that's basically how um I began and then my father he actually he passed in 2016 um oh, so I, I didn't really like uh even speak to him too much about poetry when I was younger you know I grew up with my mom um so that was that was another dynamic um but yeah, he's the one that got me my keyboard and everything. Um, so he was just still like heavily involved in my creative endeavors. And I feel like at the time I didn't realize it, but like me being like at my age now, looking back, I'll, I, I now realize, you know, all the effort and the love that he put into to the things that we did together. Yeah. Yeah. And what is what do you think it is about like poetry, you know, and storytelling that you really enjoy? I think that with poetry and storytelling, um, the main thing that I enjoy is being able to relate to people. You know, it, it, it surpasses, you know, boundaries. It surpasses, you know, skin complexion. You know, it's, it's, it touches the heart. 
you know, and I think that's the the main thing with poetry that I enjoy, you know, just going into a room and oftentimes, you know, I, I might be the only like black person there, you know, so that already makes me kind of nervous, you know, so me being in those situations and having to like, you know, just be myself, you know, feel comfortable in the environment, even if like in my mind, I'm thinking all these things. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Are you, would you say that you like to, or you find value in kind of pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone? Oh, like, for sure. I think yeah. that that's the only way. That's the <laughs> only way I feel like I'm, I'm growing, you know, and I feel like I, I look for those areas. I look for something that makes me uncomfortable and then I'll put myself there. Yeah. I think that's, that's the, that's the way that we push ourselves and evolve. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely would agree. And so you mentioned you mentioned it before quickly, but um, kind of what led you what led you to Bentley was it was it Bentley just it gave you the biggest kind of package and it was it was that and my mom I'd say um, it was a combination of things but yeah I think I think it was because it was like a business school my mom had this idea that you know I would be great in accounting or like in the corporate field the corporate world uh -huh. so she really wanted me to go to Bentley so that had a huge influence on me yeah. Did you picture yourself as, you know, going into, you know, going, going to corporate, like being a good fit for you, I guess, at the time? I mean, I think that's all I knew. I think that's, that's, that was the expectation. So that's what was in my mind. But, you know, even then I didn't know exactly. I knew that I wanted to do more, you know, I just didn't know what it was. I felt like I wanted to, you know, I knew that I, it sounds crazy. I've always had these dreams of like performing, even though before I was even performing. So I feel like I always had this dream of like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be here, you know? And, and so that was kind of always in the back of my head and just working at Riverview, actually, I feel like Alan brought that out more because he would ask me certain things about Alan is my supervisor at Riverview Capital. Um, but he would ask me different things about, you know, what do you, where do you see yourself five years from now? You know, why don't you, would you ever live in New York? You know, kind of planting these seeds, putting articles from New York on the, um, the Wall Street Journal, my desk, you know, so then I was just, it kind of made me start thinking about thinking bigger, you know, like, okay, so if I did move out of Boston, what would I do? Um, but yeah. Interesting. Did you, did you enjoy your time at Bentley while you were there? Uh, yeah, I did. I actually, I lived there the first two years and then I commuted the last two years. Okay. Um, so that was, that was a, it was like a split experience. I feel like, yeah, if I lived there the full four years, I feel I would have been more, even more immersed in the, in the culture and everything. Um, but I did enjoy it. You know, I, I met some cool people. Um, I, I like the professors. Um, I learned, you know, I feel like I, I've learned a lot, even though I didn't realize it during the time, but like, just like even with marketing, that's what I ended up majoring in. Um, it's basically what I'm still doing to market myself and for review. So yeah. definitely, yeah, find value from Bentley. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that um, you were involved in the Black United Body while at Bentley. Mm -hmm. um, during your time there, like, did you notice or like were there ways or aspects of Bentley perhaps like as an as an institution that allowed for like systemic racism to persist or like maybe like promote a culture that's not as inclusive as it could be? Hmm. Honestly, in the moment, like during that time, I don't think I was uh I was paying attention to that. You know, I think that 
with any institution or just even like the schools that I went to. I went to Boston Latin Academy, by the way, um, for high school. Okay. And so it, the atmosphere was similar to me. You know, it was kind of like uh, people hung out with their group and then other people hung out with their groups, you know, that type of thing. Um, but I don't think Bentley did anything nothing really comes to mind for me honestly um i would just say like in general i feel like even though bentley is like a university you know and um well i guess this goes into your next question should i wait for you to ask it <laughs> no go right ahead <laughs> go right ahead okay. oh because i cause just like the idea of racism right you know yeah. it's like it's such a big a big topic like what can we do like for, as a system and i just feel like it always just comes down to us as individuals you know what what can i do like on on a, a regular day that could help dismantle you know racism in some way what can i say what am i thinking that's influencing or not influencing me to be a certain way um so i just i just feel like it always comes down to the individual and us you know making sure that we check ourselves and make sure that we you know aren't prejudging or uh, throwing stereotypes onto people um, and treating everyone with the same respect, dignity, and value. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 interesting kind of how, because I'm sure you've gotten the newsletters from, from Bentley about how they're being very, oh, yeah, yeah um, kind of really, really pushing this to the, to the forefront. So it'll be interesting to see how, how they tackle some of those initiatives that they, that they mm -hmm. put out. Yeah, it's interesting. So majored in marketing? I did. I majored in marketing. At first, it was going to be corporate finance and accounting with a minor in CIS. But then marketing was the most creative thing to me. So that's why I ended up going with marketing. Yeah. Did uh, did your mom push back on that? Because I knew she kind of, she, she wanted <laughs> no. you to be in yeah. <laughs> No, she's good. She's she's very go with the flow. Uh -huh. And her name that's is good. Florence. People call her flow um but yeah she was she's always very supportive no matter what i do so it was it was an easy transition oh okay that's good yeah so like what did you think you wanted to do for a career while at bentley like once you figured out you wanted to do marketing like what was kind of what were you kind of thinking about what was i thinking about eight years ago <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's no, been a little while <laughs> Let me think. I think at the time I was just honestly like I was just thinking about um, what is it like Ernst and Young and like those types of companies that would come on campus and you know host the what is it the the career days and stuff like that. I think I was just thinking about um, like working on State Street or just like working in a corporate world but I didn't really yeah I didn't really have like a complete direction. I was just kind of like I feel like I was just like walking through things like oh okay yeah it's time to go to college let me go to college oh okay it's time to get a job let me get a job out of i feel like i wasn't i didn't really have um like a specific vision for those things at the time mm -hmm. okay and so <laughs> sorry i just feel like on like in the inside i always wanted to like um perform you know and i would yeah. suppress that um but yeah interesting so i guess with that were you I guess, do you find ways to, to perform while you're at Bentley? Like any like activities? Um, or I, was in the, I did um, a lot of the fashion shows and stuff like that. So at that okay. time, that's, that was my main, that was like one of my focuses. Mm -hmm. Focuses, I would uh, do fashion shows at Bentley and Boston University and um, Northeastern and Boston Fashion Week. So I was like heavily in, 
into being like I guess a model at the time um so those those things were cool because it helped me um come out my show more and just meet people and be more comfortable just in my own skin yeah and what do you think was like suppressing you to or like why were you suppressing I guess your desire to to perform more at that at that time I think because I didn't really I didn't I haven't I hadn't told anyone um, what I wanted to do. I feel like it was just like a dream that I had, but I didn't really, I didn't, it, to me, maybe to myself, I think it sounded like so big that like I didn't want to tell people for them to shoot it down type of thing. So okay. I, I've always kind of just been like very protective of like the things that I want to do. And, you know, I would go in that direction, but I wouldn't always voice it. Um, I think it was a matter of just me like, yeah, just building trust within myself to make, take the steps to do it versus relying on um, other people. Yeah, going back to the the power of words too, and then voicing your your desires too. Yeah, so, right. Yeah. And now, now that's basically all I do now. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like at the time I was learning, I I, I wasn't as vocal, but yeah, I'm yeah. still learning. Yeah. And so, do you end up working for Riverview uh, soon after graduation? Actually, I began working there while I was still in school, part-time. And then I think okay. I was in junior. Maybe I started my senior year. And then I ended up working there um, once I graduated. He gave me, like, Fridays off in the summer, you know. So I was, I was just, I was excited. I was happy. You know, I felt <laughs> like, wow. You know, like, I was, I was graduating school and I was going full-time, but not really, like, all the way full-time yet. So he let me do it in steps. So I always appreciated that. Yeah. 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 Thanks, Alan. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and uh, so what is your role at Riverview now? Now I, I still help them with the marketing and communication. So um, whether it's their websites, um, their marketing collateral and reports, their quarterly reports, I just make sure everything is consistent. You know, it looks good. Um, I help like I'm the liaison too between like the web designers and, you know, the company, um, stuff like that. So yeah, I'm, I'm still in charge of the marketing and helping whenever I can. Awesome. And so shifting gears here a little, when do you start to like really seriously pursue this, the, like the poetry and the storytelling? So it was 2015. It was a fall afternoon. No, it was actually, yeah, it was like September uh, 2015. And I, I honestly don't know what made me do it, but I just had this urge. It was something that made me afraid. Okay. So speaking in front of people makes scares me still, you know, so it was something that I wanted to get over um, or at least just like feel and like work through it. So I ended up going to Cantab Lounge in Harvard Square. Um, and yeah, was it Harvard Square? It's not Harvard Square. It's like the Kendall area central. Um, but yeah, so I went to an open mic there. Um, I had the paper in my hand, I was shaking. And yeah, it just, I ended up doing it then. Um, I performed for the first time then. And then ever since then, I just kind of kept the momentum going. And was it a poem that you read in front of people? Is that I what did, I read, a, I read a poem, I read it off the paper even though it was shaking, my hands are sweaty. Um, and then actually I was, at the time, I had a blog where I would post my poetry and I also would post on Instagram. And so it was, everything kind of happened fast. It was like, after I was doing that, I was posting my poetry and then like, 
I ended up getting a message um, for someone in New York asking me to come perform in New York. And I was just like, whoa, like I only perform one time, but okay. So I ended up, you know, taking a trip to New York and the show went really well. You know, everyone was so welcoming and the response was great. And then that's kind of when I decided like, okay, I'm going to move here. So it was like September and then that January I ended up moving. And I only had about what, $5,000 or something in my bank account. <laughs> I just took a leap of faith and I was like, okay, I'm just going to make it happen or, you know, trust that it's going to happen. Wow. That's, that's a big leap. It was a big leap. It definitely was. Yeah. Yeah. And so what do you spend like most of your time working on present day? Present day. Okay. So I'm currently working on like a poetry EP, like a collection of poems that um, I'm going to put out um, in 2020. Also I'm working on, another book. So that's a, another thing that keeps me busy. And I'm still doing work for Alan. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, I help out with that. Um, but those are the main things I feel. Yeah, the book, my EP, and um, just like other sideline projects where if I'm like writing, you know, a poem for a short film, or um, I'm writing for a commercial or something like that. Um, those are other things that I do. Oh, cool. What is the book um, going to be about that you're writing? Well, this book is for um, the platform that I created called Vow to Self. And so it's a collection of affirmations um, and positive words um, to keep us grounded, to uplift, and to inspire. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well needed during this time. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, a lot of people write poetry, but at least to, at least to my knowledge, um, not as many people perform poetry like on a stage. What inspired you to want to like perform poetry? Um, I think it was just me being afraid of speaking in public and also my father, he, he performed poetry. Um, so okay. sometimes at our family gatherings, he would get up and say his piece. Um, and yeah, I think, I think honestly, it's just the me being afraid of speaking in front of people. And um, I took this public speaking class at Bentley my senior year. Um, and I remember the first time I went up to present, I literally blanked. I forgot everything. My hands were shaking again. You know, everyone's looking at me. I'm like, oh my gosh, I forgot everything. Um, but you know, everyone was still so like encouraging. And then by the end of the semester, I, the next time I had to present, it was a poem. And that was the first time I was able to like memorize it, you know, and I went through the whole thing and then everyone was so like, wow, oh my gosh, that was so good. You know? So it was just interesting that it was a poem that got me through the presentation, you know, and I felt the most confident um, delivering it that way. So, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I also took a public speaking class. I think it was senior year too at Bentley. I wonder if it was the same professor. Ah, uh, I forget, I forget her name. Uh, oh, it was a girl, okay. I had a, he was a male. Okay, yeah, Yeah. that's funny. <laughs> um, so you mentioned the power of, you know, the power of words uh, a few times already. You think there's like an extra added power to poetry when it's spoken versus just kind of written and when you read it? Um, I, I don't know if it's extra. I think that, you know, it's just a different way to consume it. I think that people consume things differently. You know, some people are readers. Some people like to watch things. Some people like to hear things. You know, some people like to feel things. Um, so I think that with my poetry, I just, I try to find um, different ways to relate to people, you know, and I feel like saying the words and speaking it, um, it's interesting because then, you know, I, I always think about like, if I'm, you know, in another country and I'm performing the poem, can they feel it too, you know? Um, so right. I think it's it's the 
the speaking of the words, but also just like feeling the words. I feel like people feel the words more than the words themselves. Okay, got it. And was there like a particular moment or like time frame that really solidified your belief around the healing power of words? Um, I think it honestly was just something that was instilled in me, you know, from my parents. They were always very, um, my mom especially was very particular about words. And um, she always made us mindful of the words that we speak and stuff like that. Um, and also just, I, I think the more I began to use words and affirmations, the more I began to see, you know, the coincidences of things happening, you know, that I was like writing down. Um, so that was like another thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So you do, you do a lot of like a different things um, for, mm-hmm. for your career. Like, so when people ask you like what, what you do, what do you typically tell yeah. people? I typically say I'm a poet, author, and content creator. That, that basically sums it up. Um, and then the follow-up questions come. <laughs> right. But yeah, I mainly just say like I'm a poet and a creator. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a good way to, I think it's a good way to sum it up. Kind of, cause that, but then it's still boxy, you know, because then people yeah. hear poet and they think something about poet, you know, and then like I also create songs and music, you know, so I, I think I'm still figuring out the intro. <laughs> right. I just feel like I'm constantly, you know, just trying different things and not really staying inside of one type of um, box. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So when, when did the opportunity come about for you to become a voice on the Shine text app? Shine. I love Shine. That was probably around 2018. They came across my blog. Um, I had a positively, positivity blog at the time. Um, and yeah, I guess, I don't know how they came across it, but they just reached out after they seen some of my blog posts and they thought that I would be, you know, a great addition to their meditations and stuff. So we gave it a shot. Um, and yeah, I'm still a voice on their app, um, and hopefully we'll do some more things soon. And for people listening, um, like what is the shine text app? Is it like just another, like another meditation app? Is it more specific? It's a Um, meditation app, wellness app. Um, they send affirmations. They send, they have like a daily shine podcast, um, where they're talking about a specific topic whether it's, you know, um, accepting your body or, you know, calming your mind or grounding yourself or, you know, um, not being as agitated by certain things, you know, they just have certain specific, um, topics that they address in a, in a calm way, um, through their meditations and their practices and stuff like that. It's a cool app, you know, they, um, yeah, I have the app and you can listen to different things and you can choose the topics. Like everything is very, um, simple. So. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. They also send a text too, shine text. <laughs> they send a text <laughs> with like a positive word. Of yeah. The day. Yeah. And how have you seen self care affirmations and like these compassion based meditations like trans- transform transform people's lives? Like have they have they transformed yours? Have have they transformed my life? I would say yes. Yeah, I'd say that. Um, affirmations and just like having like a daily routine I feel like that's definitely helped me um ground myself like every day I journal um every day I write down affirmations you know even sometimes before I go to sleep I do that and it just helps me um kind of like release things and also just remind me of things you know 
Um, I think that sometimes like we can be our own toughest critic. And so it's important to kind of have um, something that balances that out and speaks life into you. Yeah. And what is your journaling, um, like affirmation journaling and, and other, like, I guess other journaling look like, like, what are you typically like writing? Just like kind of what, what's ever in your diary. Oh my gosh, you want to know what's in my diary? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, like, is it just like whatever's in your head at the time or is it like, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, in the morning, usually it's, it's kind of just like, you know, being grateful for a new day, listening mm-hmm. to things that I'm grateful for. Um, maybe if I had a dream, I'll write that out or, you know, how I want the day to go out. Like if I'm waiting for, you know, news about something, you know, I'll just write about that or about, you know, I just, I just kind of write about whatever I feel, um, what I want to happen and things that I like that happened. Um, or if something bothers me, I write about that too, just to get right. it out. So. I think it, yeah, it just depends. But usually every morning when I journal, it's like, um, it's more like prayer and journaling. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. No, no need for specifics. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Cool. Yeah. Phew. <laughs> um, so when did you get the inspiration to write your book, Brown Butter? You said when or where? Uh, when. Oh, when. Um, that was, that was uh, last year too. Yeah. I can't. Oh. It was actually 2018. I always wanted to have a book. Um, And I think that, you know, me seeing my dad, he has multiple books and I still have some of his books. Um, Just like seeing him go through that process, he self-published a bunch of his books as well. Um, So yeah, that was always like a big influence to me. And to me, it just touched me because like after he passed, it was like I had these books of his, you know, that I could read and like hear his thoughts and his words. And it, it, it just felt so like, wow, like words truly live forever. Um, so that was like a huge inspiration for me to write my book, you know, it's like, okay, I want to have something that maybe my kids can read and like, you know, or just have something that's left behind, you know, or just have something that could lift people up. Um, and so that was like around 2018 that I did that. Um, and while I was writing it, I was also taking a poetry workshop course through the Cave Conum Foundation. Um, so they were also helping me, you know, with different ideas and stuff like that. Okay. And why the name brown butter brown butter so it's it's it has the multiple meanings you know so i feel okay so first brown butter comes from a poem that i wrote called i am and in that poem the lines say um my brown butter smooth skin soak like satin makes an entire earthquake in passing um and i kind of just wrote that poem during that time because i felt a little unseen and so it was a poem to make me feel more confident um, and so I think that the words brown butter, I feel like brown is often associated with kind of like a negative thing, you know, with black people, especially I feel, you know, um, it's kind of like people look down on that, you know, and then I wanted to juxtapose that with butter simply because butter was originally considered a delicacy, you know, way back in way, way back, even during biblical times. Um, Sarah actually prepared butter for the angels and Abraham. Um, So butter was kind of something that was considered like a wealthy thing. Um, And even during the time when black people were slaves, they didn't have access to butter because it was considered like an elite thing, you know? So it was like, I I just, the idea of like, you know, just putting those two words together kind of created like a texture that I feel like just felt good. It felt right. Um, So that's, that's a long winded way. Uh, a long-winded explanation of why <laughs> I chose brown butter. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Got it. That's helpful. And 
um, what's what's in the book? Like people want to like, what can people expect when they read it? In the book, it's six different chapters or so, six or seven chapters. Um, each chapter is a little different. There's affirmations in there. Um, there's poems, you know, about, there's a chapter dedicated to my father, you know, who passed and, you know, just like our relationship and stuff like that. So it was like a way for me to kind of release. Um, and then there's poems about being a black woman, a black person. Um, and then there's poems about, you know, owning our power, you know, and believing in ourselves, you know, so each chapter kind of has its own vibe. Um, and the whole point is just to kind of ignite a feeling of inspiration and appreciation for yourself and for life. Okay. And you toured your book around Europe. Is that right? That's right. I did. I went on a book tour last November and, um, yeah, it was it was really fun. That was my first time out the country. So I oh, went wow. to yeah, Berlin, um, Copenhagen and London. And um, yeah, that was just something I, I had the feeling. It was another thing that scared me, you know, because I had never been out the country. So I said, OK, this is on the list. Let me do it. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so I ended up just like reaching out to different people in different countries, just sending emails like, hey, you know, sending them my press kit and just like you know just that that was my whole goal like okay I'm gonna when I travel I'm gonna perform places you know this is gonna be a tour um and so people ended up just getting back to me um and it all just began from emails you know so yeah it was it was a very very eye-opening experience yeah and how was like maybe get into that more like how was how, was how did you enjoy traveling internationally like um like how was the reception of the book when you when you, yeah, when you it was it was all great. You know, I didn't know what to expect. I went by myself on top of that. So um, there was like all these like, you know, people like, are you sure you want to go alone? You're a woman. You know, it's like all these things. But I, I, I just felt like the time was right. And I'm grateful I did because what if I waited until, you know, this year to go and do a right. book tour and then I couldn't go, you know? So the timing and everything was just like really, really like aligned. Um, and the res people received me very well, you know, and it's just, I just feel like just me, like living in America, I feel like Americans don't really, um, I feel like sometimes we don't realize the perceptions that we have just by living in America. And I feel like me, like going outside of America and experiencing, you know, other countries and like hearing what they had to say, it kind of made me realize that you know, that even I sometimes have prejudices, you know, that I'm, that I'm projecting onto people, you know, because I, I just remember there was this one time where I performed in Denmark at a bookstore and some of the poems that I was doing, I was like, I was trying to like stick to poems that weren't about race, you know, because I didn't know how they would take it. And I was so used to kind of, I guess at the time, like I was tiptoeing around race, you know, even though a lot of my poetry had to do with that because sometimes I would perform and I would feel, you know, the audience kind of being like, you know, so I didn't want to make people feel that way. Um, but when I was there, they, they actually requested those poems, you know, they raised their hands like, hey, you think you can do a poem about being a black woman in America? You think you can do a poem about this? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I have a bunch of these poems, you know, and then one of the audience members actually came up to me after she's like, hey, I just want to say, you know, you should always just like be yourself and um, share your work just as it is like, you know, don't hold back just because of the audience. And I, and that touched me because I feel like that's exactly what I was doing. <laughs> and I was like, wow, you know, people here are so open to me. Um, so that was like, it just like opened my eyes to how people, I just felt accepted. Yeah. When I traveled, I felt very accepted. Yeah. That's great. 
anything so, like really surprise you about the the tour? Um, what surprised me? <laughs> no, <laughs> nothing surprised me. Yeah. Other this than, is just my, my thoughts talking to me. That's why I laughed. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, what are your biggest like takeaways or lessons learned from writing and publishing the book? Ooh, I think the importance of just like sitting down and taking time to do it. Cause I feel like a lot of the times we can convince ourselves not to do something. And I feel like that was, that was like the, the biggest thing for me was to just actually sit down and do it and don't like, be afraid of writer's block or anything like that. Just, just write, you know, and then fix it all later. But just like, just start the process and begin the process. I feel like starting is a huge thing because once you start, then there's really no excuse, you know? Mm -hmm. I guess that's not really true because there's still an excuse if you start, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. You can always make excuses. You can always make an excuse, you know? <laughs> yeah. And do you have like a particular, particular process when when you write or is it just like whenever inspiration comes to you when you write do you like carve out time during the day what does that look like for you I think hmm, lately it's been more so I have to um carve out time to get it out but most of my poetry honestly is just inspiration you know it's like I'll, I'll hear like a, a line and then it'll just kind of write itself from there um or if I'm like listening to a song, you know, and then a line from that song makes me think of something else and then a poem forms. Or if I'm watching a show and they say this, you know, I just feel like I'm constantly just kind of being open to different sources of inspiration. And that's literally what inspires most of my poetry. Okay. Do you like to write in the morning or um, at night or what typical, what time of the day do you typically write? Um... Honestly, whenever it's there, I do like to, I feel like in the morning I am I'm most um, alert. Um, but I will say I feel a lot of my writing too, my really like, my favorite pieces I feel kind of came with me staying up late and like getting it done type of thing. Mm -hmm. um, so I think, yeah, I just think it's, it's a matter of my state of mind and what I'm open to receiving during that time. Because I feel like with poetry specifically, I feel it's like me writing it but it's not really me writing it you know I feel like I'm just kind of a vessel yeah okay and so where can people go to purchase the book people can go to my website melshante.com and it's also available on amazon brown okay. butter brown mm -hmm. butter got it yes. okay mm -hmm. um you seem to really like the phrase and you mentioned a good amount on your website um vow to self uh -huh. um, what inspires you like about that phrase and why have you, you utilized it in, um, in both podcasts as well as your Instagram? Vow to self was, um, yeah, it was another thing that just kind of popped in my mind. Um, I, it, I was, I was writing a lot of affirmations and stuff and then I, sometimes I would post them on my Instagram or I would put it in a blog post and I just started seeing the, the feedback and people were relating to what I was saying. Um, but these are all things that I was like saying to myself to kind of encourage myself or to make me feel better, you know? Um, so these are things that there were affirmations that I was literally writing to myself like a vow. Um, so I thought if I would, you know, just start to share them more then other people would be inspired to 
be inspired by themselves, you know, to sit down and write something that comes to your mind. And then that's something from you to you, you know, and whatever you say from you to you, someone else could be inspired by. Mm. Um, so that, that was basically the whole idea behind about self. Okay. Got it. And do you think that the pandemic has provided us um, all with like an incredible opportunity to like truly engage in self-reflective mindfulness, mindfulness exercises that many of us may not have engaged in during, I guess, quote unquote, normal times? Definitely. I feel like it's, it's, it allowed us to sit down and be still. Um, and it kind of stripped away all the extra things and then we're kind of just left with ourselves and we have to just sit in it, you know? And I feel like that's, that's a very, and we're not used to that, especially like me living in New York, it's like constantly movement, movement, movement. Um, right. So I just feel, I feel like it was a needed uh, rest session for a lot of people um, because we're just in such go, go, go mode all the time. Yeah. And how about for you personally, what's it been like for you to adjust to this? whole COVID-19 environment? Hmm. I think the main thing was just um, the travel limitations, but I usually work from home, you know, so I'm used to, to being at home and working. Um, I think the main thing is just, yeah, like being able to, I can't go home as often as I'd like. Um, I can't, you know, go on a tour. You know, I, I had performances lined up in different places, you know, so those were canceled. <laughs> So it was just like, I, I kind of had to like redirect myself because I was so used to performing like um, outside and then now things are turning virtual and stuff like that. So it's been an adjustment, but I feel like it's like a, a learning, a learning experience. Yeah. And have you, have you found in this, I guess, increased age of stillness, like new, like more create creativity or like newfound inspiration? Yeah, I think it, it, like, I play the keyboard, but, you know, with me constantly moving around and me avoiding, you know, being persistent, consistent, I wasn't really playing that often. Um, but now, you know, I just feel like I, I'm, I'm more inspired to do creative things because, yeah, I don't, I have the time. So I feel like, yeah, it definitely helped me um, just kind of find new things to do while I'm at home, you know, so I'm not doing the same thing every day you know I, I paint sometimes um sometimes I'll do calligraphy you know I play tennis you know I still mm -hmm. play tennis at the park but yeah that's that's pretty much it okay mm -hmm. uh do you ever see like you're you like working in some keyboard into like a poem and like into a performance yes that's my goal <laughs> <laughs> It's another thing that scares me, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> playing the piano in front of people. I remember like I, when I was younger, I had this performance and I had to play in front of the whole crowd. I was, it might've been at Trinity church or something. And I was playing the piano and then my hand started shaking and I forgot the keys and everything. And so my piano teacher, I always laugh at this. He would come and like, kind of like fill in the places I would mess up and then the crowd would laugh and then I would keep going. Um, but yeah, for some reason, the piano is another thing that made, made me super nervous um, so I'm learning that so I can pair it more with my poetry and performances. Cool. And just getting into these last few questions here. Let's say we meet again on the street like 10 years from today. What would you want to be telling me that you've accomplished or created? Let's see. In 2030. I would like to say that... Um, Hmm. I would want my poetry to just be like in more places, you know, 
um, in movies, you know, big screen movies, um, billboards, you know, I would like to have multiple books out. Um, I would like to have a family, you know, that's on the list. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think, I think just making sure that my poetry is like just reaching as many people as possible in different, throughout different mediums, um, whether it's books, movies, um, television, um, music, um, stuff like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how, how does like poetry work itself into like a big screen movie? Like, how are you picturing that in your head? I'm, I'm picturing it, you know, I feel like a lot of things right now, it's, it's kind of been, you know, a, a narration where there's a voice um, and there's like a, a completely different thing happening on screen, but there's someone narrating, you know, the whole story. Um, so that's kind of how I see it, where it's more so like a narration um, okay. or like, like Morgan Freeman, you know, like how he's some just sometimes just like a voice somewhere or he's in commercials, you hear his voice, you know, I, I, I like the idea of being a voice. Um, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. What does your daily routine look like these days? My daily routine is I wake up, make my cup of coffee, um, and I journal. Um, after I journal, I do my Bible devotions, um, and then I stretch. And then um, I stretch for about 30 minutes. Um, okay. Yeah, stretch, meditate, and then I begin my, my work. Mm-hmm. And then that's basically the routine. <laughs> And then I have, din- I have lunch, dinner, you know, breakfast, all those things. Right. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Work until you can't work anymore or. <laughs> yeah. I work until usually like five, mm-hmm. five or six, you know, that's, that's usually the time. And then from there, like, I, I know that I'm not going to be as productive. So. Right. Right. Yeah. How, how, how long have you been doing the, the stretching routine, the 30 minutes of stretching? Is that something new? Is that something you've been doing for a while? I've always been, um, when did I start stretching? I probably started stretching like as a thing maybe a couple of years ago, but I've always been a, a workout person. Um, I would be in the gym multiple times. Um, I still play tennis. Um, so yeah, I think it was just like the past few years. Um, I've been feeling like I just need to move my body more and like stretch myself out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How have you found it? Have you, how have you found it helpful? It's, it's literally the key. I feel like it's the key to my peace of mind. Part, one of the keys, you know, I, I stretch before performances um, and okay. I just find very, it's something that loosens me up because then sometimes like after I stretch, then I'm inspired to write because it's like I've, I've released tension from my body and I feel like the mind and body are so connected right. that stretching is, is very important to kind of just feel looser and more inspired. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So as the name of the podcast, the Driving Force podcast, what do you think has been your driving force throughout your life? My driving force throughout my life, I would say, hmm, I think, I think it's just words. I think words, um, the power of words have kind of been like a, a driving force for me. My family has been a driving force, you know, my mom. And yeah, I, I think just believing that anything is possible has been like a huge, like has been my backbone. Yeah. Interesting. Words. What's, what's your driving force? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would have to be a little more prepared to, to answer that question. Oh, but, uh, okay. All right. Uh, <laughs> to, to put me on the spot, but. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Sorry. 
<laughs> no, it's all good. Do you have like a like words that are like really meaningful to you or you find particularly powerful? Um you mean like a like a mantra? Yeah, like something like a mantra. Oh, um I think the word purpose often comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Purpose, yeah. Yeah, I feel like when I when I focus on the word purpose it makes things less about me and more about uh the bigger picture. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I, I kind of, I feel like oftentimes too, when I'm really nervous, it's because I'm, I'm just thinking about myself and not about the purpose that I'm here. You know, the purpose of me inspiring people or the purpose of someone needing to hear something that I have to say, you know? So I think purpose is definitely something that um, keeps me grounded and centered. Okay. Awesome. And then lastly here, before we wrap up, what parting words of perspective, advice, wisdom, would you like to leave us? Uh, what do you like to leave us with in regards to feeling more compassionate to ourselves um, and to everyone around us? Yeah, I think it's honestly just giving ourselves um, grace, you know, not being so hard on ourselves and just, you know, being grateful for where we are and as we are. You know, I think that often it's we're pursuing something, you know, instead of taking the time to be present and appreciative of what's here. Um, so I, I'd say that, yeah, gratitude is a big thing. And I feel like it's the key to abundance and our peace of mind. So I would say being grateful. Awesome. That's a great place to end. Mel, hey. thanks again for coming on. This was great. Thanks, Chase. I had a yeah. great time. Where can people go to find you online and learn more about your work? Yeah, so people can visit my website, melshante.com. Um, or follow me on Instagram, Mel Chante. That's M-E-L-C-H-A-N-T-E. And they can also follow Vow to Self. That's V-O-W-T-O-S-E-L-F. Um, and I'm also, my poetry is on all music streaming platforms if people want to listen to it. Oh, and I'm releasing a poem this Friday, too, on all music streaming platforms. It's called Power, by the way. That should have been my word. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Awesome. And you all can also visit my website, chaserosa.com, and follow me on Instagram at chaserosa4 for updates on new episodes. Thanks, everyone who's listening, and see you next time.